welcome to the Feminine podcast uh, with a special focus on let's end uh, femicide. This is a five-part series co-curated by Feminine and Womankind Worldwide to commemorate 16 days of activism 2021. Join us as we explore ways to end impunity of femicide based on the lived experiences and activism of activists working in the global south. My name is Marvel and I will be moderating today's discussion. Today we are honored to be talking to Shailene. Hi Shailene. Hi Marvel. I am so glad you're with us in the studio today. So excited. <laughs> I'm looking forward to having this discussion with you. Exciting indeed. Right. <laughs> um, you'll introduce yourself in just a few minutes. So in a minute, I'll give you that uh, moment, but let's just look at what we discussed in the last episode. We looked at creating a nuanced understanding of femicide. Uh, today we delve into femicide and women human rights defenders with a keen look at intersectionality as an approach. Um, but before we kick off, um, Shailene, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do. Thank you, Marvel. Uh, my name is Shailene Momani, and I work with the Young Women's Leadership Institute uh, based in Nairobi. We work in four counties currently, Nairobi, Mombasa, Kuali, and Kisumu County. And we basically create spaces for young women and the girls to nurture their leadership skills, but also uh, create spaces and avenues whereby they can set their own agenda and how the world around them should change uh, and also be able to participate in policy processes. Wow. Yeah. I know you're going to tell us more about what you do. Um, uh, first, uh, I just want us to go through the, the background on uh, International Women's Human Rights Defenders Day. I know you're very familiar with it because you do that every day. So. The International Women's Human Rights Defenders Day was first celebrated in 2004. It is a day to celebrate the activism of women, um, women and girl defenders working across the globe on diverse human rights issues. The Office of the High Commissioner on Human Rights has described the work of the WHRDs and girl defenders as being pivotal towards genuine social change and that benefits everyone. So this kind of office benefits everyone. Their work benefits the society. Despite their important role in shaping societies positively and advancing human rights, concerns worldwide and concerns worldwide, um, WHRD and girl defenders face a myriad of challenges and if you like barriers in the course of their work. One, because of who they are. Two, who they identify with. And three, what they work to advance. I think you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, this includes being killed on account of their activism globally for challenging patriarchal and heteronormative systems as they question understandings about women's identity and their place and roles that were taken for granted they also bring light to disrupted gendered power relations. I think you do that in your work every day. Yeah. So on to our first question. As a women's human rights uh, defender, working with young women, in what ways have you dealt with femicide among young women, including those that 
are WHRDs. I know you have dealt with this a lot. Yeah. So just explain to us what you have had to deal with. Yeah, so first is to actually recognize the work that uh, women's rights activists who've come before us, the young women who are currently speaking against impunities, who've actually created the path for us to be able to amplify women's issues and girls' issues uh, at the grassroots, at the community level, and even nationally and globally. And also to also uh, say that the work that women's uh, human rights activists and feminist activists do is really critical in ensuring that women and girls um, exercise their freedom and their rights uh, equally and fairly. The voices of women who've come out to really challenge the kind of impunities, and that's why we've seen even uh, our government now um, setting or putting in place policies that protect women. It's because of the women who've risen to actually speak about impunities and demand for protection of women, demand for uh, justice of women, and that's why we have all those policies in place. And that is why uh, I also support to say that it is really critical. The work has been really critical mm -hmm. and very effective in this journey. Yeah. And that's why, as young women and activists who we are organizing with, myself, the wider Play and also young activists at the grassroots, we are committed and we've come out to organize differently and specifically to speak about femicide. In, since 2019, young feminist activists in the young feminist movement have really uh, voiced out their issues. They've called upon leaders to uh, strengthen policies to ensure that uh, uh, perpetrators are held accountable. But then for us, we feel that we are being neglected. Our leaders are not speak, uh, are not uh, listening to us because we also understand that the issue or the conversation on generation equality have not begun now. They began a long time ago, mm -hmm. since 1993, um, during the Beijing Platform for Action. That was a critical area on ending violence against women and the Kenyan government adapted to that. So for us, what we've seen are policies that are in place, but then are not being implemented. And what does this mean? It then gives a leeway for perpetrators to just feel free to kill women, harass women, um, violate women sexually, because they know that they'll not be held accountable. Right now, we, uh, YWLI um, was, was asked to support, uh, call into action, um, I think it's an OCPD in Embo yes. County, whereby a perpetrator was just arrested for one day for uh, defiling a, a very young girl who's not even finished her education. That perpetrator was just arrested for one day and was released. How do you deal with that kind of case for, for you? It makes me so angry. Mm. I feel so... Um, I'm so angry about it mm. at a personal level. But then we can't stop speaking about it. We can't stop calling into action the people who are supposed to actually uh, take up the case, but also make sure that the young girl 
is supported to ensure that she finishes her education because right now she's seven months pregnant. The government uh, through the different departments needs to ensure that such girls are taken care of uh, and also are enabled to finish their, their education and also to ensure that that perpetrator is actually um, is actually accountable yeah. and punished severely so that those people who also have such intentions uh, should know that the law is very strict and the law protects women and girls at grassroots. So we are very angry. We will not stop. We will continue to push. We will call upon our leaders from um, a community level, county level, national level to ensure that they actually implement uh, the, the laws and policies that are in place and also listen to women and girls, what the needs are to ensure that they are intersectional in their approach and that all needs of women are then taken care of. In fact, now that comment really brings in what we are just discussing um, for, the, for question two. There's a little background here. Um, and she talks about um, Kimberly Crenshaw, who is an American lawyer who coined the term intersectional feminism in uh, 1989. She describes it as a prism for seeing the way in which various forms of inequality often operate together and exacerbate each other, something you were starting to explain. Um, her basis for this description was that racial inequality was not often seen as overlapping or intersecting in other forms of inequality. For example, on account of gender, sexuality, or social status. In essence, intersectional feminism calls for an understanding that all inequality is not created equal. And an intersectional approach shows the way that people's social identities can overlap um, creating compounding experiences of discrimination. So now, in reflecting on Kimberly Crenshaw's thoughts on uh, intersectional feminism, why is uh, intersectional feminism critical in ending impunity for femicide against young women and WHRDs in all their diversities? Yeah, thanks, Mava. So uh, I'd like to state that women and girls do, are not a homogeneous group. We don't exist as just one. We are women we, and girls uh, existing our different uh, unique experiences. We have different needs. We experience violence differently depending on your sexual orientation depending on uh, where you come from. Uh, are you coming from the rural, the urban area? Is it, um, is it uh, violence at the workplace? Is it violence at uh, a home setting? You know, so all those things will speak about violence, which is something that links women and girls. Uh, um, I mean, a lived reality for women and girls, but then, all those categories, you can't just put them as one. And that's why it's really critical to, um, to approach it in, an, in, a, in, a, in a diverse way, which is why we speak about the intersectional uh, approach. 
It ensures that it looks at the different needs, the different experiences of women, where you come from. For instance, um, the government will say we have um, safe houses for women, right? But do they take into consideration uh, trans women? Do they take into consideration same partner relations? Um, that is uh, a lesbian women. Do they take into consideration the heterosexual women who are actually adolescent girls or they just lump them together? And in those spaces, are they enabling? Because one, uh, trans women have spoken about uh, being discriminated, being stigmatized in those uh, spaces. So um, you exist as a woman, but then there are multiple discrimination that you'll face because you identify as someone else. Uh, you identify as a, uh, a, a trans woman, so you will face discrimination through the your community setting. You will face discrimination because the laws and the policies do not protect you, uh, do not prioritize you as a person in your own existence. Uh, you will also be discriminated by the society at large because of the of the cultural uh, uh, cultural. So because uh, you identify, which is not the norm according to society. Mm -hmm. So when we work as a young women or feminist activists, we have to look at those underlying issues in order to program better for women, listen to them, uh, learn from them. What do you actually need? Go back to them and pick at a personal level to actually understand their needs um, so that you're able to plan better, able to influence policies to ensure that they are included. Uh, they are also involved directly. Um, also in terms of budgeting, uh, ensure that enough budgets uh, for their needs are also um, taken care of. So it is a matter of looking at the diversities, uh, the diverse needs, and how we all exist in our different spaces, in our different, um, in different generations, mm -hmm. in different uh, uh, settings, to ensure that then um, the inequalities that exist are then uh, addressed. However, if we actually look at we look at it as women being just one uh, as being homo, uh, homogeneous, it then means we will continue to exacerbate the inequalities that exist mm -hmm. because you will just be addressing what I need and not the root cause mm -hmm. and not uh, someone's need, but then something that you know uh, that you are. Uh, that you're trying to uh, maybe how will I put it? I'm it's, not like, sure. it's like it's addressing like a symptom, yes, and you don't go to the root yeah, cause, to the root so exactly. the problem keeps just yes, coming back. recurring. And then now, also, you come up with so many other uh, underlying causes mm -hmm. and multiple discrimination uh, instead of actually addressing the inequalities that exist, mm -hmm. which. Uh, means you have to listen to everyone, uh, put their needs at the table to program better for them, and then now find a way forward uh, in addressing all those inequalities that exist 
uh, in that in all those groups of of or, or diversities of women and girls. And you know you're very right because the first time I had inequalities are not equal. Yeah. That was profound for me yeah. because you know how you think. Okay, so uh, we're just going to talk about women and these inequalities they're going through. But when you look at it very specifically, you then yeah. begin to see that actually inequalities are not equal. Yeah. This we could be going through the same thing, but because of our environments, somebody else's could be exacerbated yeah. by something else because yeah. of the environment and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, on to the final question, um. In Kenya, there have been concerted efforts by your organization and other CSOs to add impunity as far as femicide is concerned. What recommendations would you like to make to decision makers and to state actors in view of this year's 16 days rallying call or theme, um, which is from awareness to accountability in relation to femicide? Yeah, so um, first I'd like to really say that Femicide is an issue that is making, that has really made us so angry because one, our leaders are not listening to us. If they are listening to us, then generation equality was the best option for them to prioritize curbing femicide, specifically femicide and not GBV. Because we can't just sit down and see our sisters being killed and then we have to continue with the narrative. You know, I have to speak out because tomorrow it might be me. I don't want to live in a society where but I'm scared. I'm scared to be in a relationship uh, with a man because he may kill me. Actually, you're right because my, my a friend of mine right? told me she fears leaving the boyfriend because she's fearing she might, be, she might get killed. Exactly. And because she got threatened. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should know. We should live as free human beings. Yeah. So, uh, like petty narratives. We should not spread. Spre- continue spreading petty narratives such as because you sent me fair, I didn't show up, so you'll kill me. You look for me to kill me. You took me to a club. We danced. I I I took uh, I think some three beers which you paid for, and so you have to kill me because I didn't uh, exchange that with sex. You know, for me, first it's to the public that we should stop, stop such conversations in our social media at a one-on-one level. Stop laughing to such uh, conversations and memes because those are the conversations that uh, now uh, take it to a level whereby women are being killed endlessly. You know, for me, I want to tell the public that it's really time that you also change your perceptions. Really look at the the lives of women as humans and not because uh, society has deemed us to just being weaker beings. You know, look at a woman as your fellow human being and know that her life really matters and not just spread uh, a pity uh, propagandas because even women pay fair and that should not be a basis of us to actually converse about someone's life 
totally. So that is to the public. That is specifically to the public and to the government what do and you want to, to, the, see? to our government. Mm-hmm. Number one, also to just echo on what my fellow sisters and activists and YWLI is actually doing under my dear body campaign mm-hmm. is to number one, we call upon the uh, government of Kenya through the State Department of uh, Youth Ministry of Public Service and Gender State Department of Youth, the National uh, Gender and Equality Commission, to put in place measures for data collection on femicide and make it accessible to the public and further support um, the establishment of anti-femicide initiatives to ensure perpetrators are accountable for their actions. And for this, I mean, you see how uh, the anti-FGM campaigns uh, have really gone viral, being supported by the government. We want to see the same thing on femicide. We want to see the same thing on, the, on, on femicide. And we also want to call upon the governors of each county, because you are at county level. You're looking at the needs of the people who are living in a, a specific area. We want you to establish and fund shelters and safe houses that are enabling to, pre- to protect uh, DBV survivors. We also want to call upon the Judicial Service Commission to prosecute perpetrators of femicide and sexual violence and speed up the court processes for all cases related to sexual and gender-based violence and femicide in particular. So we are really particular in this one. We also want to say we are headed to um, uh, 2023 is a general election. And for us as women, we want to tell you that we are going forward with our needs, with our demands at heart. So for all the leaders, they should know that they, they must have women at heart, their needs, their, their memorandum, has to pronounce what the needs of women are and what they will actually do to ensure that they, we end femicide in Kenya. So that is our demand to the different uh, departments and also for His Excellency Uhuru Kenyatta is to ensure that the matter is, uh, is pronounced a national disaster. You are co-leading uh, the generation equality uh, theme under ending gender-based violence, and we want that prioritized. For us, when you go to CSW 66, we want to see that. We want you to speak about that and what your commitment is specifically, uh, and we will have to follow that also through the generation equality forums that happen next year. So, yeah. So three things, Um, let's prioritize uh, femicide and deal with it. Um, You need safe spaces created. And lastly, uh, the judiciary must have this in their their view. And like we said a while ago, justice must be seen to be done and must be friendly. Exactly. Because it can be done, but then it's not friendly to the uh, survivors who have gone through this. Yeah. Okay. So... Thank you very much. As we say in Kenya, Asante Sana. Um, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we discussed uh, femicide and women human rights defenders with the focus on intersectionality as an approach. Shailene, we appreciate. 
you gracing our studios with your presence. Thank you so very much. And we really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you, Marvel. As I said, we will not stop. Mm. We will continue to create the spaces and ensure more uh, girls and young women also continue to support uh, the advocacy, but also have spaces whereby they are able to speak but, uh, and also uh, create their agendas. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know I have learned a lot and I know the listener has learned a lot. Great. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. You stayed with us as we discussed uh, Femicide and Women Human Rights Defenders with a keen look at intersectionality as an approach. This is a five-part series co-curated by Feminet and Womankind Worldwide to commemorate 16 days of activism 2021. In the next episode, we will be looking at femicide and women with disabilities and a representative from Ethiopian Women with Disabilities National Association will be gracing our studios. Don't forget to join us. Mm-hmm.